if I sell it $2 and I buy at $1, buy low, sell high, right? yeah. like the real yes. estate guys tell us, then we have um, for freight, like 50% margin potential yeah. um, in an industry that supports like 10 to 12. Yeah. So we have many times uh, higher margin potential than anybody ever in freight before because of this financial arbitrage that gets unlocked. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka. Now, if you're hearing this, it means you're not currently on our subscriber feed. To subscribe, go to getlatka.com. When you subscribe, you won't hear ads like this one. You'll get the full interviews. Right now, you're only hearing partial interviews. And you'll get interviews three weeks earlier from founders, thinkers, and people I find interesting. Like... Eric Wan, 18 months before he took Zoom public. We've got to grow faster. Minimum is 100% over the past several years. Or bootstrap founders like Vivek of Question Pro. When I started the company, it was not cool to raise. Or Looker CEO Frank Bean before Google acquired his company for $2.6 billion. We want to see a real pervasive data culture, and then the rest flows behind that. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. There, you'll find a private RSS feed that you can add to your favorite podcast listening tool, along with other subscriber-only content. Now look, I never want money to be the reason you can't listen to episodes. On the checkout page, you'll see an option to request free access. I grant 100% of those requests, no questions asked. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Oren Zaslansky. He has logistics and innovation running through his veins. He followed his parents' footsteps who created their own freight forwarder after years with Foreman's van line. He founded his own 100-truck fleet at age 20, providing white-glove freight service through the U.S. and Canada. Next came SoulSource, Oren's first brokerage, which services major clients like Whole Foods and opened his eyes to the unnecessary complications and inefficiencies of L2L shipping. Oren, you ready to take us to the top? I am. Thanks for having me. So you, through all this experience, you've now built Flock Freight. Let's start with a tease there and then get more of your history. What's Flock Freight doing today? We do, uh, we create what we call shared truckloads or algorithmic carpooling. So it's a little complicated thing to think of. But if you had four pallets of commercially manufactured goods and you're in LA and you want to ship them out to Chicago, you would otherwise move them through the LTL industry, less than truckload industry or hub and spoke model. So just think, Terminal, 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 UPS without the aircraft. What we do is we come in and we use some really sophisticated algorithms to match your palletized freight with our other customers' palletized freight and instead create a carpool um, or a shared truckload. So we just book a big truck out of the full truckload industry, have them make multiple pickups, picking up our various customers' loads and shipments, and have them drive direct to destination. The reason the customer cares is that uh, by making a hubless offering, no terminals, no warehouses, it picks up on time, delivers on time, it's faster, there's zero damage, no loss, no theft. It's just a much, much higher quality offering. Um, and it's a much greener offering, about a 40% reduction in greenhouse gas as the only certified B Corp in the freight industry uh, because our model effectively um, you know, negates or disintermediates the use of terminals. It's We like to say algorithms instead of warehouses. It was 2002 or 2003, I forget which, but I was rereading Bezos' annual letters, and I remember one of the key metrics they tried to drive down in 02 or 03 was number of contacts, and it's exactly yeah. this thing that you're talking about. So real quick before we get your back straight, can you help me try and understand the economics? This is sort of foreign to a lot of people. If I want to ship yep. two full trucks from LA to Chicago, and let's say they're Adidas shoes, what am I likely going to pay for that? 
So the way to think about it, I'm going to give you some really simple kind of silly math, but this is just, I've used this in fundraising and, and <laughs> again, it's a reflection of very sophisticated audiences, but taking a lot of um, industry experience and kind of putting it to layman's terms. So imagine you could typically fit 26 pallets in a big truck, a full truckload carrier uh, truck, the big ones you see on the freeways. Yeah. Um, if you could fit 26 in there, we'll just imagine that trucking company is going to charge you $26 to go from Chicago to Los Angeles. We can infer that that's a dollar per pallet, right? $26 to fit 26 pallets. Now, to be fair, that trucking company is not charging you a dollar per pallet. They're charging you $26. Mm-hmm. Whether you put one pallet on board or 26 pallets on board, you're going to pay 26 bucks. You're a smart guy. You want to get the truck full. You want to get your lowest possible unit economics. You put 26 pallets on board. You have in your head a dollar a pallet. Conversely, now you're a small shipper or you have a small order. It could be a big shipper, but you have a small order. You just have one pallet to ship. That's it. It doesn't make sense to buy the whole truck for $26, right? So instead, you go to the LTL industry, these hub-and-spoke operators, the UPS FedEx without the truck, without the um, aircraft. Mm-hmm. They charge you $2 to move that one pallet. That's what we do. That's what our financial model is, is that instead of charging $2 and paying almost $2, we can charge $2 and pay $1 because we're buying. It's like we're syndicating that entire truck. We're taking all the risk. And telling the customer, don't worry about it. I'll find the other 25 pallets to go with your, your one pallet. It'll never move through a terminal. It'll never be unloaded. Uh, bigger, faster, stronger. You know, On-time pickup, delivery, no loss, no theft, no damage, faster transit times. Mm-hmm. So that's financially what we're doing. Interesting. Super interesting. And and again, before we go back to your the younger Oren, um, in 2020, with the pandemic happening, like, what's the big usage metric you track? It's not number of pallets is probably too minute. Is it number of truckloads or like what's the thing you track mainly? Yeah, it's it's what we call a freight bill. That would be like a standard unit of measurement in this industry. A freight bill would be not a pallet, but it, it would be a shipment. So a shipment might be two pallets, it might be fifteen pallets, but we would call that one freight bill. Huh. Um, and we've seen our our so how many shipments we move um, on an annual basis. We had four hundred percent growth um, in the year of twenty twenty. That's incredible. Are you sharing with the actual? I mean, it's got to be in the millions, right? Tens of millions. Um, in terms of shipments or in terms of revenue, freight. That number you just gave me, freight bills. Uh, no, it's not millions yet. It is. Um, that's a fair question. It's tens and tens of thousands. You know, okay. I don't know if we're at quite a hundred thousand yet, but but we're getting very close. That's got it. So somewhere between ten k and hundred k, and that's just again number of freight bills as small as two pallets, as large as twenty four. You know, okay. almost a full truck where we can still optimize and we can take that very big shipment and find a couple pallets, a small shipment and put them together and ride share, create a shared truckload. And can you put a face on this? I mean, is this the Etsy e-commerce seller that needs to move like three, pa- like wh- what is the face of the person that yeah. actually, you know? Yeah, we launched the business in the SMB. So small, medium businesses that were small, they had small quantities and they did not ship very often. It's a great um, playing ground to invent. If yeah. not, it's a little messy. Now we're playing much more in the middle market and with enterprise customers. So, you know, a, a, it can actually be a very big customer. We'll use like, um, a, you know, an almond manufacturer um, is one of our biggest customers where, you know, a full truckload of almonds could be 40,000 pounds. That's a lot of almonds to go into <laughs> a box, you know, or to go into a 7-Eleven. So even though they're a $10 billion a year, massive enterprise shipper, they would have a need to only ship four pallets on, you know, out of their facility going to um, a, a, distribution, a distribution point. Now, they may ship a full truckload of almonds into a Costco or to an Amazon fulfillment center, but then they may turn around and ship a single pallet 
to 7-Eleven. Mm-hmm. So it's all B2B or what we call in the industry kind of dock to dock. So what we don't yet do is residential. We've done it in the past, but it's, it's not who we are. It's not who we believe we should be for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Um, instead, we're going from a manufacturer that has made something or is a distributor of something um, and going to the receiver or their customer. A very common pattern would be people who make stuff and it's going to an Amazon fulfillment center or they make things and it's going to a, a mall or some type of distribution center. So I would not quite say Etsy. I would say more like a $25 million minimum side manufacturer. That's their revenue, not yep. their spend on freight, but that's how big a firm they are. Up to you know several billion dollars a year. Again, you know the ABM bevs of the world. And in 2020, how many unique shippers shipped at least one thing with you? One freight oh, bill? Like 2,000. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And I just am really uneducated in the space. I mean, what percent is that of the total brands shipping yeah. something? <laughs> it's, it's, it's BIPs. Okay. The beauty of this industry, right? So uh, we'll just say US freight is believed to be like a trillion dollars across wow. all the varying ways that you might move things. And look, we're not a tiny company anymore. We've had explosive growth. We, we plan on growing a ton more, but the reality is that, you know, it's, it's basis points. So, yep. Um, how do you guarantee that you have the truck inventory if I believe LTL is paying the same as you are, but you're just doing it more efficiently? Like, how do you make sure you have enough trucks if there's a Christmas blip or something? Yeah, it, it, that <laughs> that's not just a billion dollar question. That these days it's that's a, tr- a ten billion dollar question. <laughs> yeah, a trillion dollar question. Um, it is really hard. So one of the hardest things, but I would say the most fun and the most interesting things that we do is we work in probabilities. So we have a lot of applied data science and machine learning environments here, where we are constantly ingesting as much data as we can. Uh, from third-party data lakes, so data sources where you can build a, a, an integration with, and you bring in the like, what's the spot market doing? What what's tender rejection meaning? Freight that's not getting picked up. For, you know, if, if there's freight not getting picked up, you can infer there's probably not a truck in that market to pick up that freight. Yep. Um, furthermore, we shape that with our own internal analytics, our our own team of people talking to the world, and then lastly, working in probabilities. What's your belief that that truck's going to be available, and not only available in a binary non-binary way? It's yes, it's available. No, it's not. But also, if it's available, what's it going to cost? Mm-hmm. You know, it's a spot market, so it may be a low price today. It may be a high price tomorrow, and then to really blow this thing up. Wait, we sorry, wait, I don't slice. understand that. What what could what yep. varies in price? The dollar per 26 pallets could go up or down? Yeah, the cost of contracting that entire truck. He may charge you a thousand today, it may be nine hundred tomorrow, could be oh. twelve hundred the day after that, especially around the holiday time. So the context of your question, given holiday, you're right, right? Demand is surging right now. Supply is kind of fixed, mm-hmm. right? This is not a gig economy the way we see with like Uber and Lyft in Rideshare or DoorDash or Instacart. Those are gig economies whereby uh, in theory, supply can flex with demand. Mm-hmm. Um, in our space, you're a commercial truck driver driving a $100,000 tractor trailer full-time. You're drug and alcohol tested. You know, this is what you do. It's not yeah. a side hustle. Yeah. Like You were either a truck driver or you're not a truck driver. So supply is changing. Don't get me wrong, but it's relatively static. Demand is porpoising like crazy, whether it's COVID or holiday time. So that's where the data and the analytics and, and the, the data science and trying to predict what the future is going to look like all the way through to, in our case, not just can we get a truck or not, and not just how much is that truck going to cost, but what is the probability that we'll have many different customers' freight bills or shipments that are going to Tetris fit together into that truck and at what varying costs? I mean, that's honestly, I think, the number one reason why uh, SoftBank made the investment as they did is they looked at the hard science, the hard 
uh, the algorithms, the mathematicians, the data scientists that we employ to not just predict a future of is there a truck or not, but to slice those trucks into little bits and pieces and then try to determine, are can you see the future? Mm-hmm. And in our case, with all the data that we're building, you know, every shipment we move becomes a, a data point. What's total uh-huh. team size, Orange today, and how many of them are data scientists or engineers? Uh, we're about 130 W-2s, you know, basically here in San Diego. We do have a few people scattered throughout the U.S., particularly over COVID. You know, we've been pretty agnostic to that. We just want great talent. Um, and then engineering mathematicians, which we'll call part of the optimization group, data scientists, analysts, analytics, uh, that represents about half the payroll. Oh, wow. Okay. So call it seven, 65 people there. Do you have any quota carrying sales reps? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, many. How many? She's 30, 35. Interesting. You know. And they're selling to like the head of shipping in these massive yeah. billion dollar brands. Uh, yes, and uh, they're selling to uh, a manager of shipping at a fifty million dollar manufacturer that you know you and I may have never heard of, and they make you know tables, they make chairs, and they you know have a need for our services as well. And with all these operations sort of coming together, I mean, do you know? I mean, it's it's obviously, I mean, it's definitely that maybe the millions, tens of millions. How many individual pallets you shipped in twenty twenty? Do you know that number? Uh, um, if I were to make a guess, I'd say if we're getting close to a hundred thousand shipments per year, you know, you, you could say that times maybe five. So maybe a half million pallets. Shipped. Wow. Uh, wow. This is back of the napkin, right? I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah, no, no. We're, I'm in the ballpark. Yeah, no, no. I mean, it's, that's what I wanted. I mean, I would be shocked if you knew the exact number down to the actual pallet. And that's obviously changing by the day. Um, yeah. talk to me about SoftBank. They just wrote a check. What was the size of the check and how much have you raised to date total? Uh, SoftBank's investments, $100 million. Uh, We also brought Volvo in, which is a really exciting strategic for us, both for a commercial partnership. They spend a lot of money on moving freight, and they do it suboptimally, and and they want to partner with us, but also to work with their innovation labs on really defining what the future of transportation will look like, autonomous driving vehicles as an OEM. They make these trucks, or they're working on that technology. How a marketplace partnership like us could work with a Volvo over the long term. You know, we think of Volvo here in North America as these like lovely Swedish cars, and and they are. But but um, not a lot of people know they're like the second or third largest truck manufacturer. I say truck, I mean like tractor trailer, you know, um, freight truck in the world. I think them and Daimler, you know, are the biggest in the world. So in the U.S., they own the brand Mack truck, which more people are probably familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had participation from all of our insiders, Google Ventures, Signal Fire, and GLP. Um, at that point, you know, we set out to raise, honestly, 30 to 50 million bucks. We ended up raising 115. So it was a bit of like, no more capital can come in, work with your insiders to, you know, prevent too much money from coming in. Um, and that puts the total raise at 180, 185 okay. million, something okay. like that. And in that soft bank deal, I mean, were you able to stay, you know, let them put in more cash, but still stay under and sell less than 10% of the business? In other words, I'm really, really I'm asking is north of a billion dollar valuation? South of a billion dollar valuation. Got to be flirting with it, Oren. Uh, it's south of a billion dollar valuation. <laughs> <laughs> this guy, trying to us on this one, I know. Look, um, it's a couple ways of thinking about it. One is, you know, it is freight and we have a lot to prove. It's a huge space. Um, we're going after something much more complicated than has ever been pursued before. And that's the true invention of a new mode of shipping freight. There's the less than truckload mode, pallets through terminals. There's the full truckload mode, fill the truck up at a single manufacturer, send the truck down the road. Those are the incumbent modes. We're this space in between and encompassing both, which is shared truckload. Mm-hmm. That's a mode that we've invented. So it's obviously a lot riskier, uh, number one. Number two is, you know, you don't hear a lot of founders say this. You got to be careful with valuations. That becomes a market clearing price. 
that you got to get over the next time. And nobody wants to get over it by, you know, one or 2%, right? We want to be like doubling, you know, tripling, quadrupling on these uh, share prices round over round. And as you start talking about billions, which is certainly the ether, you know, that we're, we're playing around in, you also have to start thinking about what exits look like. You know, yeah. in my case, I want to go into the public markets. I mean, yeah. I want to do an IPO, I want to do the roadshow, the whole thing. Um, that's, you know, ring the bell in the NASDAQ. Yep. I mean, it's just something I'm really excited about doing. Um, and so you want to make sure that you're going to create, you know, real long-term shareholder value as well. That is accretive to your insiders as well as to that next set of investors. Is charging these 2000 customers $2 per pallet and then you buying the pallet for a dollar each and then optimizing your only revenue stream or are there other ways you make money? No, that's it. That's what we do. Okay. I'm doing, I'm missing something like very obvious here. So I'm just going to ask it directly. If you're shipping 500,000 pallets per year, charging two, that puts you like at a million in revenue per year. There's no way you're doing a million in revenue per year. We're doing many, many yeah. times. More than that. So the $2 versus $1 is just meant to be a simple metaphor whereby to understand this arbitrage. Got it. We, we, you know, you can imagine though, if I, if I, uh, buy, if I sell it $2 and I buy it $1 buy low, sell high, right? Like the real estate guys tell us, then we have, um, for freight, like 50% margin potential. Um, in an industry that supports like 10 to 12. Yeah. So we have many times uh, higher margin potential than anybody ever in freight before because of this financial arbitrage that gets unlocked. We, we have not publicly disclosed as of yet revenue, but I can tell you we are orders, many orders of magnitude um, higher than, yeah, you, than a couple yeah, million bucks. <laughs> that's, I'm, going, I'm going, I'm missing something very obvious here. And yeah. it's the obvious thing. You gave a metaphor, char- you know, sh- renting out a whole shipment, a truck, it costs yeah. way more than 26 bucks for <laughs> Yeah. The truck. yeah, I apologize. In real dollars, it'd be like three thousand dollars, four thousand yeah. dollars to run that lane. And if it's four grand, I could charge eight grand. You know, it was the two to one that I was hoping to highlight. Yeah, yeah, okay, got it. But but generally, like a truck like that, LA to Chicago, it's like four grand, something like that. In today's market, yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably. Okay, interesting. Um, Vol, I want to talk Volvo real quick because this is going to go back to your roots in terms of you maybe buying your first truck, running those first routes back when you were younger. At some point, it makes sense for you to start, if you're not already, holding cars, maybe autonomous trucks on your balance sheet, uh, maybe from Volvo, by the way. you know, What is the tipping point where that starts to make sense? It's a good question. Look, I- I've told people, whether it's media or colleagues or people on the team, I don't personally think we're going to see another parcel carrier parcel would be like fedex ups start ground up like ever i think what we'll see is is amazon come in and build the largest parcel carrier in the world sort of from the side door or top down depending on how you want to think about the metaphor you know we're seeing amazon become the world's most vertically integrated firm which Mm -hmm. is not to say they don't use a tremendous amount of contract support top to bottom they do um but they're operating their own aircraft they're operating their own trucks their own warehouses i mean at some point it's interesting. Amazon, tech company, tech company, they absolutely are a tech company. I mean, the, the data insights they have, I mean, they know what you and I are going to eat three days from now. I yeah. mean, they do. Uh, it's the world's largest machine learning environment, as best I could tell. That being said, um, they're a logistics company, and they're going to be one of the largest logistics companies, if not the largest in the world, no matter what. How do I think about that? I want to stay tech as long as we can. Um, I, I don't see a world in which we start operating warehouses and terminals. That would be okay. antithetical to our very model. We are the contactless. <laughs> we, we, yeah, we don't want to touch the stuff. Um, I could imagine a future state, um, whether it's a partner like a Volvo or in some other way, shape or form, where with autonomous driving vehicles, we want to be pretty closely snugged in. We love um, AV, autonomous vehicles. Like we, we, oh my, is this an enabler for us in a very big way? That being said, um, with all due respect to our, our capital partner and all those fine folks out there working on it, um, it's not going to happen in this decade in a meaningful way. We'll see the middle mile, which is you know like running down the freeway. 
um, we'll see robots. Yep. That being said, there'll be humans who are being paid <laughs> to yes. still be on board those trucks for many, many years. But to get to a future state where what we call the first mile and last mile, that's backing out of a dock. Now, picture your neighborhood or commercial district and ultimately getting onto the freeway. And then the last mile is that process in reverse. You know, getting off a highway exit, navigating through urban, rural environments, backing into, I mean, you can picture what this would look like. Um, I think that is a long way out. That being said, when, not if. Yep. Looking uh, there's at- a regulatory problem as well. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. Quickly, uh, before we wrap up here, you launched the company what year? Uh, commercial launch, kind of official first round, hire our first employees, January of 2016. It, it was a year and a half project side hustle for me prior to that. Mm-hmm. How much revenue did you do in year one? Do you remember? Yeah, well, run rate revenue in year one, I think we went out at about a 2 million run rate oh. and a two and a half million run rate of revenue. And, and we were pretty darn proud of that. That's pretty, that's, you should be really proud of that. Um, and then last growth question, you mentioned freight bill growth year over year 2019 and 2020 was 400%. Is that the same? That's revenue growth is the same about 400% or lower? Yeah, yeah it, no, no, it scales pretty. Wow. That's in, correlated. That's in, I mean, I imagine you have some serious scale growing at your scale at 400% year over year. It doesn't surprise me. SoftBank comes and says, please, Oren, please let us put in a hundred million. It, 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 it went well. Anything else I haven't asked about that you're like, why hasn't he asked about this? It's critical to our business. Um, no, you know, I'd say, you know, we, we are really proud and passionate um, about being the only certified B Corp in freight. So, you know, we have an opportunity here kind of from a social entrepreneurism angle to create significant market value, you know, real returns for our investors and ultimately in the public markets and have a real uh, market cap. Um, We want to build both the largest freight company in the world and the most profitable freight company in the world. We want to do both of those things. The scale will come before the profit, but but we intend to do both um, while we simultaneously help do our part to save the world. Yep. You know, we believe passionately that there can be a 40% reduction in greenhouse gas through our model, so much so that we're on the precipice of being able to launch actual carbon credits to our customer for buying from us because the model is so much more efficient. Um, you're actually kind of getting the, the, the first word on that externally that we're in the process of bringing that to market right now. The outside world doesn't know it yet, but we've got a certifying entity of like actual carbon credits, not some, wow. You know, white labeled, you know, off market product, but like, you know, Tesla carbon credit, so to speak, uh, to Toyota, um, of bring that to market now, because the, the certification entities are looking at what we're doing and saying, man, that is no joke. That is so much more efficient. And of course, we believe that it's an awesome opportunity to drive additional acquisition retention, but to further drive our, our purpose of saying, you know, we think we can build a very viable asset while at the same time helping to do our part to, to save the world. Or an incredible story. Let's wrap up with the famous five quick answers here. Number one, favorite business book. Five dysfunctions of the team. Number two is, it's a good one, yeah. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? Bezos constantly. (laughs) Number, are you in acquisition talks right now with Amazon? No. Okay, number three. That's good, straight face. (laughs) You like how I sneak that in like that? That was pretty good, right? I'm under so many non-disclosures right now, I can't remember how many. All right, good. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building the business? Oof, um online tool for building the business. God, we live on Slack. It's just horrifying, but we couldn't live without it. <laughs> Number four, how many hours of sleep you get every night? Six. That's pretty good. Six and and situation, married, single kiddos? Married, two kids. Okay. Oh, 14. Wow. And how old are you? 46. Take us home. What do you wish you knew when you were 20? What did I want to do when I was 20? Something you wish you knew when you were 20. I wish I knew. Um, Man, I wish I knew that I was going to make all the mistakes I've made, but to not be so hard on myself. 
for making them and to realize that they're each one is a little gift that's going to ultimately make me better. Guys, flockfreight.com. Think of it like pooled trucking, a lot of logistics, over 65 data scientists, engineers on the team of 130. When 50% of your folks are made up with that kind of background, you know there's some serious tech there. They've raised 180 million bucks to date, serve over 2,000 customers. Their freight bill growth year over year has been over 400%. Revenue growth is also in that same category. As they look to continue to scale with things like eco credits, do a great part and do their job in the world, but also do it profitably over time as they reach additional scale, Oren. Thank you for taking us to the top. Thanks for having me.